The word for our year, the word for 2024, is the word now. This is a now year. Jesus said in John 14, 14, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I believe that this is the time. Now is the time to ask. Now is the time to believe. Now is the time to step out in faith saying, God, will you do it? And I believe that it will be done. To ask for dreams, ask for desires. And our vision as a church is to build a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland. And our mission, our, our purpose, and what we do is to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. That that is, that is what we believe that God has called us to do. And we are one church in two locations. And so we're starting today, building up to our, our Vision Sunday and our Vision Offering. We are starting a new series, and we're calling it Family Values. Family Values. We're going to look at three core values that makes up the values of our church family. And this is not just mean a values for a church as a, an organization, but rather the values that make up uh, for us as a church, the people, and who call ourselves open arms, who call ourselves a part of the church of God. And so we, we spend 2023 as a team and as a leadership uh, discussing, questioning, and developing our values. And these values describes our culture. The values describes our identity as a church. Everybody has values. Every home has values. Every person has values. Sometimes you may be able to communicate and, and list and know your values, but your values is really what you live by. That this is who we are. This is what we live by. When we make decisions, when we go directions, when we have faced tough times or difficult times, the values is what directs us. The values is what defines us. And so we have got three core values. We had 10 values and we realized no one can remember 10. So we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to boil them down to three core values. So each of these next three weeks, we're going to go through one value. Here's the first value. I'll give you three, the three of them just very briefly. We are raising and releasing. We seek to raise people up, to build people up and release them into their God-given potential. And so we as a church, we believe that we're not about holding on, we're not about controlling, but rather about releasing. That we focus on the relationship, releasing people, believing that God will fulfill the purpose that he's given in every single man, woman, and child in our church and in our lives. With second core values that we are thermostats, not thermometers. This is a, a visual value. We are thermostats. That means that we set the temperature. We're not thermometers. We don't take the temperature. That means that we are a people who set the atmosphere, set an atmosphere of faith, set a welcoming atmosphere. We're ones who set the atmosphere that when we walk into the room, we set the atmosphere. We don't check the temperature. We don't wonder what the cultural opinion of the day. We don't ask people what's going on. We go, no, we set the atmosphere in our homes, in our workplaces, in the car when we're driving and it's completely, you know, a murderous, violent atmosphere amongst your children. 
Anyone experience that? Where you want to throw them out the window? I'm setting the atmosphere. I'm setting, <laughs> we're setting the atmosphere is directing the, the, the values of our homes, our families, our communities. And we're not lower our expectation. We're not lower our faith because of what other people are going through and what other people are saying and what's going on in the world. No, we set the atmosphere in faith and expectation for what God has given us. So here's the third core value. This it's the value that I'm going to focus on today as the title of my sermon is We Have Thick Skin and a Soft Heart. We have thick skin and a soft heart. We are willing to be offended and not take it to heart. But rather from a place of compassion, we choose to surrender, to forgive, and to love. Not only that, but we are willing to offend out of love for the sake of the gospel. We are willing to offend out of love to speak the truth according to the mission and vision of our church, that we are an inclusive church. We are open arms, but we are absolutely exclusive when it comes to the truth of God's word and holding others accountable to that. So we are not afraid to be offended or to offend. So we're going to look at this. We're going to dive into this. I'm excited to share this with you and how this applies to your life. So if you have your Bibles with you, we'd love for you to open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. If you haven't got your Bibles, don't worry. You've got them on the, the phone. But we would love for you to get into the habit again, starting this in the new year. Bring your Bibles to church. Why? Is it a religious thing? Is it a legalistic thing? No. Because if you got it in your hand on Sunday, it's easier to open it on Monday. Right? That's really the, the basis of it. You know where the things are. You get familiar with it. And it's just easier to keep it up as a routine and a devotion every single morning. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26. These are the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. This, go back there for a second there, uh, if you will, for verse 21. This here is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is teaching his disciples. Again, this is one of the most popular sermons ever preached. He's still 2,000 years later. We're, we're taking the, the wisdom from it. But here he, what he's doing is he's taking the wisdom that was handed down from God to Moses in the Old Testament. And what Jesus does with the law, he says, I've come to fulfill the law. But what he does is he really gets to the heart of the matter. That here he's using, and he uses six different examples in what he, he takes from the law. In particular here, he's talking about murder. But what we're soon going to see here is that Jesus highlights to us that what happens in our lives begins in our heart. That what happens in our lives begins in our heart. He says, verse 21, you heard it said, to anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Here, the Greek word used for brother or sister is the word adelphus. And it means disciple or fellow disciple. So here he's not literally talking about brother or sister, but figuratively. It's, it's those you are in community with, in life with, in church with, that if you in any way are angry... You're subject to judgment. Again, anyone says to a brother or sister, Racha is answerable to the court. I love it. Sounds like a curse word, doesn't it? Racha. It is an Aramaic term for contempt. 
It, to, to have contempt is like to say it. In Ireland, we, you know what? You've got to have thick skin in Ireland because we will slag you. The people make fun of you. It is a term of, if you've come from another country and you're going, why are they slagging me? It, we show you how we love you by how much we slag you, right? But here's the thing that's different. In Ireland, we'll slag you with a smile on, all right? That's how you know you're loved. To, 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 Really say raka is that contempt is to make fun without us without the smile. It's to come from a place of anger. Also says, anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. I don't know about you, but that scares me because I've said a lot worse <laughs> to many, many people. But what he what he's saying here, again, going back to the heart of the matter, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What Jesus is saying here is bringing to us that our words have equally have consequences as much as our actions. Verse 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, that if you are following Jesus, serving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, giving to Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian and you, you live according to Jesus and you give your life to Jesus, there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. In other words, maybe has been offended by you or hurt by you or wronged by you or you maybe yourself hold on to, to harboring offense or bitterness or anger or hatred towards them, leave your gift, verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. To reconcile is to restore or, or to make up in the relationship or to, to resolve the issue. And here's what's really interesting, is Jesus says that your relationships are so important that before you come and bring to God, you must first let go of what you're holding on to. That as you come and you worship Jesus and you give him your best, well, your, your relationships are so important that you need to make sure that you are reconciled with your brother and sister. Verse 25 says, settle matters quickly with your adversary. Who's taking you to court? Let's just, let me say that one more time. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Now, this is interesting. And Jesus, in just like he's got so much wisdom, he's saying here that this has escalated from anger in the heart to hurtful words and offense from the mouth to going from brother or sister to now becoming enemies. To such a point that you can't resolve it between yourselves and it now needs to be taken to court. You see how quickly things can escalate? You see how quickly it can come from a relationship that was in love, goes to anger, to hatred? And here what Jesus says is settle matters quickly. You need to catch it at the beginning so that it does not escalate to this place. He says, do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Verse 26, truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. It will cost you. It will cost you. And so with open arms, we have, one of our values is we have thick skin and a soft heart. We have thick skin and soft heart. Most people live today with soft skin. Soft skin that is so sensitive, almost anything can get under their skin and set them off. Equally so, many people today are living with hard hearts. 
hearts that have been hardened because of the hurt that's been caused to them. And so therefore, it's weighing them down, becoming a weight. And I believe that Jesus has called us as a church and as Christians to have thick skin and a soft heart where we are willing to be offended and not take it to heart but rather from a place of compassion, of love, we're willing to surrender and forgive and give another opportunity, give another chance to go back and reconcile that relationship and at the same time to live with a soft heart, to choose to love always everyone at all times, no matter the cost. And so we believe as open arms, as the name suggests, that we are an inclusive church. This means that in our everyday lives, we exemplify, we embody grace love but absolutely exclusive when it comes to the truth of God's word and holding others accountable to this truth this means that we are not afraid to offend for the sake of the gospel this means that we are willing to live the truth believe the truth stand for the truth for the sake of the mission vision of the church that God has given us, to be a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland. That means for you and for me, that's my family, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers, my colleagues, my communities, in order that we may see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. Because that is ultimately the goal. That is the goal of every Christian, of every church, is to see others experience Jesus Christ that he may change their lives and change their eternity. I was originally going to call this this sermon the ministry of offense because that's what so many of us are engaged in, the ministry of offense. People today are more offended than ever before. It's so easy to offend people. It's almost like they're so sensitive, certain words, certain ways you say it, certain slants that you do. People are so sensitive, so easily triggered, almost walking around with their back up against the wall, waiting to get offended, like waiting on the prowl. Not only that, you know what I've noticed is that um, as, as a church, we often point to the world with having this problem, but I've noticed this, Christians are oftentimes the most offendable. Amen. You know why? Because we don't just get offended for ourselves, oftentimes we get offended on behalf of someone else. We believe that it's almost like it's my duty that I need to be offended for them. And so we live in this place of like the ministry of offense, which is such a contrast. Because the one we worship, the one we live for, the one we adore, the one we follow, we offended the most and yet he forgave us. Jesus Christ is our role model for how to deal with offense. He's the one who modeled for us, exampled for us in order to live our lives with thick skin that's not easily offended and soft heart that loves people and not fearful of offending others. As I mature in life, and I, uh, it's, it's a question, have I matured in life? I know, ask my wife. But as I mature in life, I, I, I learn how to deal with and navigate, like you, so many a variety of different relationships. I've got relationships with my friends, with my family, with my co-workers, with now I'm in the role I'm in, with employees and with congregation members and church members. And I've learned that in order to keep a soft heart, a peaceful mind, and a content soul, that the best thing that I can do when someone else is being offended by me is being okay with that. I've found that the key to living in this 
place and this tension that all of us live in is when others are not happy with us that I've found that the key is that my role is not to make them happy. In fact, when I have offended someone or upset someone, that my role is not to make it up to them. My role is not to lower myself to be able to meet their needs and meet them at this place, but rather that when I do and say things from a good place, from a, from a right heart, from a soft heart, if I've done it from a wrong place, if I said the wrong thing, made the wrong decision, I need to own up to that. I need to apologize and ask for forgiveness. But the key that I've found in order to deal with others being offended by me is having a soft heart, a loving heart, and asking God to give me wisdom. I've had moments where I'm sure you've had moments where, whether it's with friends, family members, church members, whatever it is, people who have been offended by me and by what I said. Now, they didn't let me know, but they let me know indirectly. Right? They told so many people that they knew eventually through Chinese whispers, it's going to get to me. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you walk into a room or you come into proximity with someone who you know that they're not happy with you. You ever had this experience? What do you want to do? You want to run away. You want to jump in the car. You want to drive away. You don't want to confront them. And I've come to the place of maturity and learning how to deal with this and saying, God, give me a soft heart and thick skin. I walk into that room, I see that person, I go straight for them and I say, hey, how are you doing? I've come to a place that the best thing to do is out of a place of maturity, let them know I'm here if you want to talk. I'm not coming from a place of uh, confrontation, like I'm coming up like, I'm here if you want to talk, if you want to take it outside. No, it's rather like, i got a soft heart. God, give me a soft heart. Give me a heart of grace. I've offended them, but that's okay. That's their offense but I'm willing to be here to talk to them about it. People, at times, many people have offended me. You may have offended me. I've been offended many times. Anyone else been offended? I've been offended by, by criticism. I know some of you were like putting up your hands and took that down very quickly, but that's okay. <laughs> I've been offended, offended by, by lies, by false stories. I've been offended by, by others interpreting what I said to be translated not at all by what I said, and then telling others that that's what I've said, and I'm like, that's not at all what I said. I've been offended so many times, and I've had to bring those offenses to God, to forgive them, to say, God, not only give me a soft heart to love others who've been offended by me, but God, give me thick skin that it's not easily offended. God, give me thick skin that where my goal in life is not to get offended, and here's the second thing, the one I struggle with most, is not to get defensive. Is not to get defensive. I struggle with this because I am a fighter. I want to be able to, as a lawyer, to be able to plead my case. Just the other day, I was told, um, I'm trying to give you some a lot of examples as I get into the scripture to be able to apply it. But just the other day, I was, um, I was told secondhand information about an issue that someone had with me, and immediately I got defensive. And what was interesting, my defensiveness turned into anger, and the anger went out of control. You see, in the scripture that Jesus is talking to us is what can happen so easily. When we have soft skin, the offense gets under our skin, into our heart, and the anger that's in our heart comes out of our, work, our, our mouth. 
and it begins to spiral out of control. And all of a sudden, I found myself at a place receiving this information and getting out of control. It wasn't until the next day where the emotion dissipated that I realized I overreacted. It wasn't until I realized when I, I overreacted, I had to ask God for forgiveness, when actually I, I, I let things settle down, I realized that the truth that they had to say, actually there was some truth to it. Not only that, but they, what they had to say, I, I came to the place of maturity that I even applied what they had said. You see, if we could actually come into a place where we're not so sensitive, and maybe we're not so defensive, there may be some wisdom to what we've been again offended by. There might be some wisdom to what we've been being criticized by. Maybe actually God is using them as a vessel and as a voice to be able to bring maturity and growth in our life. So I want to spend a few moments looking at this, studying this. I know this is a challenging message and a challenging word, but I believe that God has called us as a church to have thick skin and a soft heart. That we as Christians, if we are going to stand out from the world that it's easily triggered, that walks around with a victim mentality, whether it's me defined by my, my color, my race, my education or lack thereof, the, the lack of finances I have. And what happens is we've allowed ourselves to be defined by this place and people getting triggered and offended in different ways. But we as a church, no, we need to stand up. We need to first, you know, recognize the differences, but realize the differences do not define me. My identity is in Christ and in Him. I am completely new and mature in Him. And I will grow. I got thick skin and a soft heart. Not only that, but I'm willing to offend you. Out of love. I'm willing to say the truth. I'm willing to speak the truth. I'm willing to have a heart of compassion and grace. But you know what? If you're offended, I'm okay with that. Maybe you'll be that confident when you walk out of here today. All right, first thing. First thing that we're going to look at to help us is first is this. In our relationships, in conflict, in offense, is fill the space with grace. Fill the space with grace. First 21 and 22, you have heard that it was said that people long ago shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Fill the space with grace, not tension. Our human natural reaction is to fill the space between us, especially with someone oftentimes who is closest to us, is to fill that space with negativity, with tension, and with offense. We often fill the space with a narrative that they are not for us, that they're out to get us, that they don't love us. And what it can do is it can produce anger and rage and offense. And Jesus says that what you carry in your heart will come out of your mouth. Raka, you fool, I hate you. It begins personal accusations and personal hurt where we begin to say things that we know will completely hurt them and take them down because we know them best. And what happens is we slander and we gossip. And what Jesus says, it can produce within you and within your relationships and within your minds and within your hearts a living hell. You will be in danger in the fire of hell. Our words can tear our relationships apart. They can break up marriages. They can tear families apart. They can split churches down. That's how powerful our words can be. And Jesus says here that you will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, the hell that Jesus is referring here is referring to a place called Gehenna. 
Gehenna was a valley in the city of Jerusalem, a valley that was most famous in ancient days, a valley that was used for child sacrifices to the ancient god Molech. And so it was and represented hell. Not only that, but the myth of the day, the legend of the day that it was used in the time of Jesus was a, a rubbish dump. It was used as a place where people come and they would burn the rubbish. And the legend was that it was a constant smoldering fire. And here what Jesus is saying is he's using this reference, this reference of Gehenna, a living fire, that your words, that what you hold in your heart has, has got the... The, the possibility of you living within this fire of hell, it represents how anger in your heart and in your relationships can cause you to live in a living hell. This is the enemy's goal, that you would live in a living hell. We fear maybe the most of the hell that comes in eternity, but what about the hell that comes within our lives here and now? That the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy you and your relationships with God and with others. And this strategy that the enemy accomplishes this through is division. He divides and conquers. Because he knows that if he can isolate the person from the relationship, he makes them more vulnerable to the attack. Jesus said in Matthew 12, a house divided will not stand. The Lord takes two and makes them one. The enemy takes one and makes them two. His strategy is division. And he is subtle in his strategy. The enemy doesn't like turn up, go, whoa, I'm going to attack you. Oh, I'm under attack. The enemy's attacking me. No, you won't even know he's attacking. He's subtle. You know how the enemy attacks? You know how the enemy divides? He is so subtle in his strategy, he divides relationships through offense. Oftentimes it's nothing major, it's something small. Oftentimes it's something that seems so insignificant, like a throwaway comment, or a look, or an unintentional slight, or leaving someone out. These small offenses can build up over time and fill the space between us with tension, with hurt, with bitterness, resentment, and offense. And Jesus wants us to fill the space with grace. Fill the space with grace. Believing the best about others. To withstand the lies of the enemy by standing against offense. By having thick skin and a soft heart. You know, myself and Jill, we're married 16 years. And in those 16 years, we have had some fantastic arguments. Like some incredible, amazing, big blowout arguments. And when we come through a place of evaluation and trying to go back to the beginning. Where did this begin? You ever in an argument, you're realizing, I'm in the middle of this. I got a great argument and I haven't got a clue what we're arguing about, but I'm keep going, so I'll keep going because I got, I got so much like, I'm so stubborn. But when we go back to the beginning of the arguments, they all began with small offenses. Something small that got in our space. Because what builds up will blow up. What builds up will burst out. What builds up in your heart, I am telling you one way or another, it oftentimes it comes and blows up in those closest to you and those you love most. And here's what I want to encourage us as a church and fill the space with grace. A declaration for our marriages, our families, and our church is this, that at the foothold no household of this household, no stronghold will take off. At the foothold of this household, no stronghold will take hold. I'm going to fill the space with grace. Honey, we need to sit down because I'm holding some things against you that I need to let go. 
I'm, I'm carrying some things that are my fault, not your fault. That are my problem, not your problem. Well, I'm going to fill the space of grace. I'm going to fill the space of love at the foothold of this household, of this church, of this family. No stronghold will take hold in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the second thing. Reconcile your relationships quickly. 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 Reconcile your relationships quickly. Verse 23. If you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember your brother or sister is something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. What you once called your brother or sister, what you once called your husband or wife, what you once called your friend or family quickly became your adversary who you are taking to court. It started with Raka. It started with you fool. It started with small offense and now they became your enemy. The closer the relationship, the greater opportunity for intimacy and for offense. Someone who you gave your heart to is more easier to be hurt by. That's why we are hurt by those who are closest to us. No one can hurt you like someone you gave your heart to. Have you ever witnessed or ever been or ever seen young lovers who like, they fall in love with one another and they can't keep their hands off each other. You ever met someone like that? You ever been someone like that? You can't keep your hand off them. You are so attracted to them. Years later, that same couple couldn't keep their hands off one another, can't stand to be in the same room with one another. So much so that they need a solicitor present to agree how they're going to divide up what they own in the divorce. This happens so often, so much. It's only when we get to this place in our relationship that we ask the question, how do we get here? How do we end up in this place? And oftentimes it was small offenses over time. It was one offense at a time over time. Now there can be in most in a lot of relationships and marriages abuse and betrayal and affairs. I'm I'm not talking about those issues. I'm more talking about the majority of people in the day to day. It can be relationships that symbolize paradise, but now become a smoldering, smelly rubbish dump like Gehenna. In danger of living in the fire of hell. So what do we do? Jesus says, choose to, to reconcile your relationships quickly. Verse 25, settle your matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do while you're still together on the way. Why? Why should we settle matters quickly? Because it affects our relationship between us and God. Sure. That we can't even stand at the altar of his presence and connect with him because of what we're holding on to our heart. And Jesus says, how can you expect to give God your best when what you're holding on to is, in, is, is completely carrying your heart in bitterness and offense? Therefore, you need to go to your brother and sister and you need to reconcile. Maybe you turn up today with your partner, with your husband or wife, and you're like giving an elbow and you're like, you're just kind of slowly like this because you're, you're holding stuff. Jesus says, settle it quickly. Because those small offenses can build up and build up and build up. Reconcile quickly. Don't hold on to them. To reconcile the relationship is to restore the relationship. This can mean allowing space and time to allow emotions to cool down. But what you need to do is have the hard conversations. To have confrontation. To remove 
the conflict. For this to happen, we need to release the offense quickly. What happens when we don't release the offense, when we don't enter into reconciliation, we are left with resentment. And resentment leads to regret. What I believe Jesus says here is settle matters quickly. Reconcile quickly that we can release. Release will bring relief into your life. Release will bring relief into your heart. Forgiveness, all it takes is one. Reconciliation takes two. Sometimes reconciliation isn't always possible. Sometimes the husband, the wife, the brother, the sister, the mother, the father, the friend, the family isn't willing to reconcile. Reconciliation isn't always possible, but release is. Release frees you from offense. Release frees you from the danger of the fire of hell. Release frees you from the place where you still love them, even though you know there's still offense. Surrender frees you from suffering in your offense and the wrong that you've endured. Here's the third and final thing is give the benefit of the doubt. Give the benefit of the doubt. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taken to court. Do while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may do what? May hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you paid the last penny. What's Jesus saying here? You're going to be handed over to the judge. The one true judge. The only judge who can judge you, God the Father. And Jesus continues on in the Sermon on the Mountain to Matthew chapter 7. He says, you will be judged according to how you judge. Chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge, others will be you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So therefore, give the benefit of the doubt. Seek to have empathy. Ask the question, what's really going on here? What's going on be- beneath the surface? If I was to take this criticism that I'm receiving, what's really going on? What's really going on in this relationship? You know, myself and Jillian, we... We lost our first baby, and, and it was 10 years ago, almost to the month, uh, 11 years ago now, and, and we lost our first baby, and I, I, was the, I, I never suffered so much pain in my life, and I was devastated. I cried for days and days and days, and then we went to church on Sunday. And so we went to church on Sunday, and someone saw me smiling, and they took offense. So much so that they shared with our friends and shared with others how terrible of a person I was that I could smile at such a difficult time. You don't know what's always going on beneath the surface. You got to ask questions. You don't always know what's going on in private. You know what? We have all heard of and witnessed people who took their lives who were the most optimistic, positive, and outgoing person. But we didn't know that what was going on beneath is where we're experiencing a deep, dark depression. What do we say when the marriage ends up in divorce? What do we say when the life is taken by suicide? What do we say when that person is living and finally confesses this is how it's going on? What do we say? I never knew. 
Seek to know. Seek to know. That's our responsibility is to know. Seek to have empathy. Seek to give the benefit of the doubt because you don't know what's always going on by some, with someone who lashes out. That you take offense by, but if you are actually to be the bigger person and fill the space with grace and reconcile the relationship quickly and give the benefit of the doubt, you would realize that what they're battling and going through, you can help them walk through it. You don't always know with someone who says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Someone who disappoints you. Someone who doesn't meet your expectations. Someone who doesn't turn up and do what they said that they would do. You don't always know, so let's choose to give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's choose to be Christians who lead with compassion and love and grace. And say it's okay. In fact, when you continue on, and and Jesus takes this and goes further, and the disciples ask, uh, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? He says, seven, 70 times, seven. Keep forgiving over and over and over and over and over and over again to believe the best about others. Have you heard what such and such said about you? Oh, well, let me hear it to my face. I'm going to go and ask, what did you say about me? Out of love. (laughs) You got to communicate that love and over-exemplify that love. Put ourselves in the shoes of others. Seek to know. See through the eyes of others. Grow in our empathy and our understanding of what they are experiencing and what they're going through. And here's the final thing I'll say in this. Find out from the person firsthand. Come on, we all, let's be honest. We deal with offense on a daily basis. We're either being offended or being the ones who offend others. Jesus here lays it out very very easily, and in fact, this is he talks about it so many times, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. Talks about forgiveness, talks about surrender. Oh, hey, church, we can be have thick skin and a soft heart. You want to exemplify a model of life that loves Jesus, have thick skin and a soft heart. Finally, this find out from the person firsthand. One of the comments I hate more than any other comment, I think actually it's a comment that will provide within me danger of living in the fire of hell. And this is this people are saying you want to tick me off tell me people are saying i don't allow any one of my team or my friends or my relationships ever say to me people are saying without me asking who who's saying don't tell me people are saying who's saying people are saying nine times out of ten is code for this is what i really think but people are saying People are saying. Always find out who. Because if you can find out who, you will know, be able to know their love for you. Never listen to someone who criticizes you and finds fault with you who's not for you and not in it for the long haul. If they're for you and in it for the long haul, always take the criticism and the wisdom and ask God, where's the truth in this? Where's the truth in this? More than likely also, the people is just one person. It might be the one who's giving it to you or someone else. So challenge to find out who. Here's, here's why it says, challenge to find out who so you can address the issue. In the meantime, you can fill the space with grace. You can reconcile the relationship quickly and choose to give the benefit of the doubt. 
If this is a model and a practice that you apply to every one of your relationships, you will experience freedom and having thick skin and a soft heart. So as I finish, I want to ask you a question today. And I'm going to invite the Jody firstly to come forward and then the worship team. Let me ask you a challenging question this morning. Who have you got to reconcile with today? Who? Now listen to me. It might be today. It might be this week. It might be this month. It might be this year. I understand. The larger the relationship, the larger the offense, the greater the reconciliation. Maybe you send a text. Maybe you make the call and they don't respond. Well, then bring it to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I want to forgive. It takes one to forgive and two to reconcile. There's been some relationships that I know years of heart that I've reached out through, you know, Facebook Messenger or, or text and I never heard back and I said, well, I made the first step. I'm going to release it the rest to Jesus. Who have you got to reconcile with today? What offense does the Lord want to remove from you right now? What offense that has been blocking you that's been hindering you. You know, this is a now year, the dreams and desires that God has given you. But he says, how can you worship at the altar? How can you expect God to do? How can you stand in the presence of Jesus? He says, first go to your brother and sister and reconcile. What offense are you holding on to now that you need to let go of? The comment, the criticism, the hurt, the pain, the slander, the gossip, the anger. Let it go. Let it go because it's just holding on to you. You may feel like you're living in a living fire, smoldering, just constantly there. Let it go. Finally, where is division and conflict and offense seeped into your relationship? Think now about a relationship, maybe with your husband or wife, maybe with literally a brother, or sister, a family member, maybe with a friend. The vision has just seeped in. It's gone under your skin and into your heart and it's bringing destruction into your relationship. Offense can happen in a moment. Offended is a state of mind. Offended is a state of mind. Don't live offended. Receive forgiveness and choose to forgive. Choose to release. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Hey, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads and the worship team are going to come forward and we finish in worship. I want to invite you right now. Ask the Holy Spirit just with your head bowed and your eyes closed to give you thick skin and a soft heart. Thick skin and a soft heart or the words the criticism the offense that has got under my skin right now God I pray that you will help me to release it to let it go to find and discover reconciliation but firstly to enter into forgiveness Lord I pray right now for a soft heart a heart that's malleable a heart that you can mold and shape and renew and restore and change. A 
But God, will you first get rid of what is not of you? Those of us who are holding on to hurt and offense. And listen, it may not come by a prayer. It may need to come over therapy. Sitting down with someone. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years. But beginning is the start of the process. Lord, I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to give us thick skin and a soft heart. Here, just with your eyes closed and your head bowed, would you just raise out your hands before you? And I wonder, could we just pray a, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of confession? Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to renew and just let go again. Would you just pray these words with me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I confess of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe today that I am forgiven, that I am set free. And by your grace, I am saved in Jesus' name.